Welcome to the Anchored in Truth podcast. Anchored in Truth is an online ministry of Safe Harbor Baptist in Georgetown, Kentucky. Visit us online at safeharborbaptist.org. This is nothing new, right? Uh, this is uh, something that has been a reality since uh, the, the, the Garden of Eden. Uh, that the world is changing and drifting uh, in many ways away from God and His design for our lives. And so we live in a world that is confused. Romans 1, 19 through 25. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and I'll read that uh, for us. Romans 1, 19 through 25. And if you don't have a Bible uh, with you, I would encourage you in the future uh, um, weeks to bring yours, just because we will have some passages that we'll read through together, and I always think it's helpful to have your Bible in front of you and be able to read it and, be, and think about it. But uh, Romans 1, 19 through 25, uh, says that uh, what can be known about God is evident among them. It's talking about how people suppress the truth. Uh, what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being, uh, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for they, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became, a fo- became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, uh, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Therefore God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Amen. And so this, uh, this verse really summarizes what we see in our world, uh, that people are, have their minds darkened by uh, sin. Uh, they've, in their own search for wisdom and own understanding their own wisdom, they've exchanged, they really have become fools because they've exchanged God's truth for a lie. And uh, this is what we see when we think about what it means to be male and female. And what it means to, to, what marriage means, and what gender means, and sexuality, right? People are living in the dark. And so what we're hoping to address through this study is that we would be reminded of the truth. We would live in the light of God's Word and what God says as Christians. Uh, And we would walk in the light as we know that that is a command in Scripture. So we want to give a biblical vision for issues like homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. And uh, this is being recorded, so if you happen to miss a week, uh, I know some people weren't able to come, but we're hoping to listen to it at at another time. If you miss a week, let us know. I'm not sure how we're going to get the recording out, but it'll be available. Um, But our hope is... uh, for each of us, that at the end of this study, that each of us will have a better grasp on uh, who God made us to be as male and female, uh, created in his image, and that knowing who God has made us to be and who God has made others to be, that we would be able to apply that in our lives, in our conversations, 
in, our, in the places where we find ourselves, our interactions with other people. Um, and I know that many of you all have people in your lives that are close to you who may be living in ways that you know doesn't line up with the Bible, but you're not quite sure maybe how to address it or uh, what exactly the Bible says in a way that you can communicate it. Our hope is that through this study that some of those questions will be answered. So we'll have, uh, we'll be working through sessions that are um, kind of already in the, in the book and, and planned out, but we'll also have a couple times where we'll be doing some kind of Q&A panel Discussion. So I would encourage you, if you have questions that you think of uh, pertaining to maybe a situation you're in or uh, things you've seen in the past or things you might anticipate coming up, uh, jot those questions down. You can email uh, myself or uh, Pastor Danny. We're going to be doing the, the teaching. We're, we're going to rotate teaching uh, uh, weeks. But let us know, and we'll make note of those, and then we will... Uh, uh, make sure to try to address all those questions as, as best we can uh, in the, as, as either the study comes up to it or we have that those weeks for uh, Q&A. So, you know, um, you know, ultimately we believe, obviously as Christians, that life flourishes when we live God's way. And so we know that when people around us are living as men and women in a way that's opposed to God or not in line with his design, that actually harms them and their families and the people around them. They're going against the way that God has designed them to flourish, find joy in life. And so if you're a Christian, it's our mission to understand uh, God's way and communicate that, hey, that God's way is good news, right? Through Jesus, this is good news. Uh, for how we can live. And so uh, with that being said, I'm going to hand out a couple things. I'm going to ask Danny if you don't. These are some discussion questions that we're going to be handing out uh, for later. And then these workbooks uh, as well. So each workbook has uh, some material that we'll kind of use in our group sessions, but there's also some material. It's not real a real uh, time-consuming thing, but I, it, you can take, it's kind of like a devotion, think of it like a devotion uh, that you can look at in between uh, weeks. And so I'll kind of, uh, at the end of tonight, I'll assign kind of what to look at before the next meeting. But this workbook is really meant to be a resource for you all to have handy uh, and to use just as a, uh, some, a handbook to kind of accommodate the study. And so um, there's no cost. The church is providing uh, the books for this study. Now, don't read ahead. We'll get there. Uh, that's why I didn't hand them out at the beginning. Uh, but... Uh, we will get we will cover through uh, the stuff in the workbook. So we're going to look at week one this week. Do we have enough? Okay. Yeah. I, for if if we don't have enough, I would encourage couples to share uh, for the time being. And if you want if you if you want your own, we can we'll order some more. I wasn't sure how many to expect. So, unless you really want your own, uh, uh, if you're a couple, I'll share. Do we need any more? 
Are we good for now? At least does does every couple at least have one? If you're married, okay, good. Um, you won't really need it uh, too much for our time together. It, you can use it at at home uh, and and pat and share it and pass it. So it'll help bring you together as male and female, learning to share. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so uh, so the way that these meet, these uh, weeks together are going to work, um, we're going to kind of show a video that's recorded uh, several people from Southern Seminary in Louisville. So tonight, uh, Dr. Moeller, who's the president of Southern Seminary, is going to share kind of a short time of teaching. It's usually about 10 or 15 minutes. Then I'll kind of get up and unpack uh, a little more based on what they've said. We'll probably have a little bit of time. Uh, to, to turn and discuss with each other uh, and just think through and get our minds thinking, uh, be interactive a little bit, and then we'll kind of wrap up, kind of summarizing uh, what we've talked about. Uh, hopefully that will help reinforce and, and help us think through well uh, the, the different topics that we're going to be addressing. So um, just to uh, briefly highlight the, the topics for this study, if you turn to the, the table of contents there, uh, this week is called Creation's Warrant. Next week is Creation's Order. Week three, Sin's Disorder. Week four, Temptation, Desire, and Orientation. Week five, Transgenderism. Week six, Intersex. Week seven, Identity and Sanctification. And week eight, Sexual Sin and the Gospel. And some of you all are probably in your seats thinking, I never in my life thought we would have to even talk about these topics, uh, and yet here we are, and we believe that God's Word is sufficient for it. So, uh, John, Pastor John, if you don't mind uh, showing the, the, the video. Yeah, good point. Yeah, there are there is a, a page to take notes for each week, so if you would like to take notes while you're listening, uh, feel free. Christians today are faced with so many interesting and vexing questions, so many controversies to which we must offer clarity. The church has to understand God's truth on God's terms and apply that to every dimension of life. Evangelical Christians know that, but one of the hardest questions is, how exactly do we do that? Now, we can imagine where we might start our consideration of so many of these things, but it really is important that we start in exactly the right place and we know exactly how rightly to reason about these things. You know, we could have no greater example in this, of course, than Jesus Christ, our Lord himself, who gives us in the New Testament examples of how to think biblically and on what biblical warrant to move forward in thinking about answering some of the biggest and most important questions of the Christian life, questions that are indeed thrown at us in these days, questions for which we must have an answer. You know, as we're thinking about this, where do we start? And then how do we proceed? There's one text I think as we're thinking about gender and sexuality and marriage, there's one text that stands out in terms of the teaching ministry of Jesus where these issues are made crystal clear. And this is found in Matthew chapter 19. We read this. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? 
and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus went on to say, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, there we have far more than may first meet the eye. Because for one thing, you have the dynamism, the conflict between the Pharisees who've come to try to trip up Jesus, to accuse him. They're asking him a question, and they know it's a controversial issue. It was a controversial issue in first century Judaism. And they think they're going to force Jesus into the position where he's going to have to give an answer on a biblical ground for divorce that will get him in trouble with one group in Israel or another. Now, Jesus was not reluctant to give an answer. But his answer actually shamed the Pharisees, not only in terms of its conclusion, but even the structure of his argument. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus said, you know, it's an interesting question you're asking me, but do you not know? By the way, that's a fascinating question because it was their business to know. Jesus was throwing the law, even the opening chapter of the entire Bible at the Pharisees as if to say, you're asking me a stupid question because God answered that question. The father answers this question in the very first chapter of the Bible. But it's more than just the first chapter of the Bible. It is God's act of creation. So this member of the Pharisees asked him, what about divorce? And of course, he's asking about something that there's been great debate about in first century Judaism already. And Jesus just cuts to the quick. And he said, did you not know that from the beginning, God who made them male and female, well, Jesus says, he united the man and the woman in marriage, and what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. But you know, that biblical reasoning is a lot more thick. It's thicker. It's very substantial in ways that we might not at first recognize. We need not to pass over this too quickly. So first of all, Jesus says, here's what you do. As you turn to the scripture, you don't seek to find a way around the text. You receive the text as God's gracious gift of self-revelation. Furthermore, no one would argue that Genesis 1 is in any way, say, confusing or opaque. It's incredibly clear. The biblical logic set forth in creation is this. God created human beings, the only being made in his image, and he made us from the beginning, male and female, and he made for us the institution of marriage whereby the man and the woman come together. And as Jesus said, what God has put together, let no man tear asunder. And that means two things, by the way. It relates most immediately, you might think, to divorce. Just don't tear this apart. But the second thing is it means don't subvert marriage. Don't confuse marriage. And these days, what we see in the larger society is an effort not only to confuse marriage in every single way, even to redefine marriage in the most arrogant way, but we also see an even deeper form of criticism, of rejection, of rebellion. We see an even deeper form of moral revolt when it comes to the question of gender and sex, male and female. Now, whatever Jesus tells us is, of course, the supreme law of the church, the law of Christ. But it's also how Jesus teaches us to apply the scripture. Jesus here is drilling into Christians an instinct that when we're asked a question about marriage, we don't turn to sociology, we don't turn to modern psychology, we don't turn to anything other than scripture. But furthermore, in scripture, we're not just looking and hunting and pecking in scripture, trying to say, just find every time this word is used or whatever, try to put together some kind of coherence. 
No, Jesus said it's coherent from the beginning. One of our impulses, and evangelicals need, need very urgently to learn this lesson, one of our impulses has to be to look back to creation order. Creation order is not only the revelation of God in the right ordering and structuring of creation, but it also establishes the way we are to read the Bible. As the entire order of creation is laid out, and you'll be learning more about this later, as the entire order of creation is laid out, what's also laid out is the way we're supposed to read the Bible. We are never to read anything in the Bible. We're never to look at any doctrinal or theological or moral question without going back to creation and saying, what does the order of creation, what does the clear text of Scripture? Just for example, in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, tell us about human beings, tell us about what it means to be male and what it means to be female and what it means to be human as either male or female, to the glory of God, made by the Creator, not only in His image, but made male and female, and then marriage, which immediately flows in the biblical text. And by the way, marriage is defined not only as the union of the man and the woman, and as the Bible makes clear, a monogamous lifelong union, a covenant, as the New Testament makes very clear, a covenant that actually becomes a picture of Christ and the church, of the love and mutuality and commitment and exclusivity between Christ and the church. So also is the rightly ordered marriage. And so as you're looking at that, you recognize Jesus says, well, you know, you're asking me a question. And Jesus, in answering the question, says, you knew this from the beginning. Now, the words from the beginning, that's fascinating. It has a double meaning because immediately he means, well, you knew this from the very beginning of time. You knew this from the beginning of divine revelation. But let's not miss the fact that when Jesus says from the beginning, he is echoing the actual first words of Scripture. Jesus is not only embarrassing the Pharisees for asking this question, he's making very clear that what they have missed, they have missed from the beginning. And in contrast, what we must understand, what we must affirm, what we must know, it has to be right from the beginning. Now, let's just admit something. We have no access to the beginning except the inerrant and infallible Word of God. We have no access or authority for knowing exactly why God made us male and female, except we're not left with an open question. It is answered for us in Scripture in the beginning. So here's something that's just urgent for evangelical Christians, especially in this age. We have no idea what questions are going to be thrown at us in the future. The questions of the present are already symptoms of a society that has not only lost its biblical memory, but it's lost its biblical mind. We're dealing with a society that is now seeking, even though it might not acknowledge this, what it's actually doing is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. They're actually rebelling against nature, which means rebelling against nature is rebelling against creation. And rebelling against creation means rebelling against the Creator. So that's the opposite of what the Christian church is called to do. We are called to understand all things in obedience to Christ, in faithfulness to the gospel, by knowing where to start. Our scriptural warrant for dealing with any question has to make reference to creation. And in the case of looking at what it means to be a human being made in God's image, male or female, what it means to be male, what it means to be female, what it means for us to be males and females together, what it means to be married. And then remember, the New Testament makes reference immediately to the old, 
Jesus himself here in Matthew chapter 19 says, go back to the beginning, and in the beginning, even as in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, even as the meaning of what it means to be human made in God's image, male and female, and even as it is revealed what it means for human beings made in his image to be embodied creatures, even our physical construction to be not only a biological reality, but a revelation of the creator to the creature. And even as we go back to Genesis chapter 1, there's a functionality that is revealed and there's a purpose that is revealed. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That is not just a very good idea for civilization that it would continue. That turns out to be a divine mandate. That is a command from the Creator. That is at least the immediate reason why He made us male and female and gave us the gift of marriage because in that covenant context and in that commitment, which is after all not a matter of human negotiation, but a matter of divine revelation and creation, that is where we are to fulfill the command that is given us. Now, the bottom line is this. Where there is obedience to all that God reveals, there is health and there is flourishing. Where there is rebellion, there is nothing but human hurt. There is nothing but damage. There's nothing but confusion. Where Christians are uncertain about these things, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is compromised and it is weakened. As the world around us has well, just lost its mind on these issues, the Christian church has to keep its mind. But it's not that we are in ourselves so wise that we can figure these things out. The fact is that we are given the gift of divine revelation. The God who is, is the God who speaks. He has spoken to us in scripture. And of course, as the book of Hebrews tells us, in these latter days, he has spoken to us through his son. And how does the son speak to us? On questions like these, he says, go back to the scripture. Go back to the first chapters of the Bible. Go back to creation because God revealed all of this from the beginning. And if we're going to get this right, we have to go back to the beginning. And there's no way to get it right thereafter if we don't get it right in the beginning. So let's take the instruction of Jesus. Let's follow the example of Jesus and remember and teach those things which we have known from the beginning. All right, so as you can tell, a big part of this study is, you know, a first moving our attention to the way God made things from the start, uh, as Dr. Muller said, in the beginning. So uh, just a couple presuppositions, a couple things that we as believers bring to any topic or any discussion uh, on any, any issue, including this. I wanted to just lay these out because these are kind of foundations that we have for understanding life, right? The first thing, first presupposition is that God is creator and sustainer of all things, right? So... That includes male and female, genders. That includes marriage. That includes sexuality. God is the creator of it, and he's the sustainer of those things. Second uh, presupposition that we, we hold to as Christians, Jesus is God in the flesh who perfectly lived out and taught God's design. As you want to know what life should look like, look at, look at Jesus. Right? 
The third presupposition we have as believers, the Bible is God's word, right? It's perfect, it's without error, and therefore it's trustworthy and true on all things, including male and female, gender, sexuality, marriage. Um, And so we believe because God's word is completely trustworthy and true and without error that God's word has the answers we need for the topics we face. Fourth presupposition is that sin is a reality in our world that affects everything about life. Uh, we call this depravity, right? That that sin affects everything, and part of its effect is that it separates us from God's good design. And then the last presupposition, as believers, the good news is that Jesus is able to restore us. To God's design. And that's where we pick up in, in Matthew 19 in this, uh, this uh, lesson that Jesus, they go to Jesus and he has the answer they need for the question they have. And that's true for, for our lives as Christians. Jesus has the answers we need for the questions we have. And he points us to his word. Uh, and uh, in Matthew 19, we see, I won't read that whole thing again, but the, the Pharisees are trying to test Jesus about the the question of divorce in that culture and how uh, Moses allowed for it. And Jesus doesn't necessarily directly answer the question. He indirectly answers it. And he he points them back, as Dr. Moeller said, to, uh, he quotes the book of Genesis. All right, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's a direct quote from the Old Testament. So Jesus knew his Bible, and he believed that the question of divorce had everything to do with how God made them as men and women. Um, And he points them to the Scriptures. I want to read, uh, there's two verses there in Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Genesis 1, 27. Genesis 1, 27. And uh, that verse says that, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. So God had a clear design, a clear creation, male and female. Right? And that's the way he did it. And they were made in his image. Then we turn over to Genesis 2, 24. And this, and this is the quote. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Right? So those are the quotes that Jesus had. So the, there's a couple things, uh, principles I want us to think about uh, when we're reading the Bible, when we're trying to understand uh, what the Bible says about topics like this. And so, again, this lesson is kind of foundational for everything else that that follows. But the first principle that we need to keep in mind and what Jesus shows us here in in Matthew is that Scripture helps us interpret Scripture. You know, I think a lot of people read a verse and they just say, well, this means this. But what God wants us to do is consider the whole Bible, right? And uh, so if they ask him for a question about divorce— 
what does he do? He goes to Scripture to try to answer that question. He tries to pull together all of what God has said and keep that in mind to help him best understand what he means in this verse. And I think that's where we as Christians have a responsibility to, to know Scripture and to study Scripture. We don't have to have it all memorized, but we should, if we have a question about something, we're not sure what something means or we want clarity, there's a good chance that there's principles in other parts of Scripture that can help us understand it or direct verses that, that are quoted or, or something like that. So Scripture interprets Scripture, and so Jesus helps us see how to understand the Bible by using Scripture uh, and shows us how to live that out. Um, but here's the challenge. Sin distorts, right? Sin distorts how we understand Scripture and what we do with that. And that's the, that's the thing we have to fight against. Uh, so how did, how did sin distort? I'm going to throw this question out there. You can just answer out loud. How did sin distort the Pharisees' understanding of Scripture? Because they knew the Bible. They knew the Old Testament. But sin distorted their understanding of what the Old Testament said. How did, how did that, in, in Matthew there, or that verse we read, how did sin distort the Pharisees' understanding of Scripture? Any thoughts? Don't be shy. Yeah. Yeah, they, there was a permission of divorce, and they were trying to use things to justify that, that permission, right? Like as if, hey, this is okay, so Jesus, we're going we're gonna to use what you say to, to justify, or we're going to try to use it to trap somebody we don't like that might say something different than what we think, right? And so they're kind of using Scripture to their own ends, to really to accomplish what they want it to say for their benefit. And that's exactly what, what our temptation is today, right? That we can read Scripture and try to make it say what we want it to say, uh, to justify something that we want. Or we read it and we just uh, bring our past experiences into it, right? And so what we see is this is the result of sin, that we have to work to make sure we are reading Scripture rightly. But we also see in this passage, uh, Genesis 1, 27 through 24, that so there's a why of God's design, right? To, to be His image, uh, or, or there's a what to God's design. This is what God created, male and female. This is what God's design is. But there's also a why, a purpose in why he did it, uh, which kind of leads to another uh, principle, and that is when we're, re we're reading the Bible, context is key, right? We need to read the Bible in terms of, all right, what, what's going on around this passage? And in the light of all of Scripture, right? Where does this fit in what God is doing in the world? And so when we read uh, in, in the context of God creating male and female, what, what's the context? Well, it's the foundations of all of life, right? It's the foundations for the world and how God intends the world to function. And there's a, a, a world without sin. Everything was good, right? So this is the context uh, when we read, okay, th things were good then. Right? It's not just, oh, that's, that was back in the old days, and things are different now. 
Well, yeah, they are different, but things were good in God's eyes then. That's the context. So we need to read uh, and understand what, what the Bible is saying in the context around. And so God created the world with a specific design and purpose. He made us male and female for a purpose, and it was good. And God's design today is meant to give order and direction for us as individuals and how we should live for our churches, for our families, our home life, for all of life in a way that ultimately accomplishes God's purposes um, and gives us clear direction on how life best works. So so that's just a, a summary. All that goes back to creation, right? And so what I want us to do is just... Uh, break out into, so you all can be a group, and you all can be a group, and maybe you all can be two groups in the middle, right? And then just pick one person who can kind of read the question out loud, and then just, every, you know, whoever feels led can kind of answer. Uh, we'll take maybe 10 minutes or so, uh, or 10, 10, 12 minutes to work through these questions. If we need a little bit more, we can. But uh, <clears throat> some questions I want us just to think about in, in terms of some of these principles that we've heard uh, on the video and just talked about, how can we make sure that we faithfully interpret God's Word? Why is it important to ensure that we are not imposing our own ideas or assumptions onto Scripture? Secondly, what might be some personal uh, ideas or assumptions pertaining to gender, sexuality, and marriage that people in our culture would be tempted to impose on what the Bible says to justify maybe a belief that they have or something that, a way that they would like to see uh, those things in life. Why is it important to know God's original design for marriage and human sexuality and how are Genesis 1 and 2 critical for understanding that? And what are you hoping to learn from the rest of the study? And then uh, we'll kind of come together, have a few closing thoughts. If you have any questions on this topic, I'll, I'll answer those. But uh, take a few moments, break out, uh, discuss these questions, and then we will come back together. All right, uh, if you don't mind kind of hitting the pause button where you are, I, if y'all want to stay later and continue to discuss, feel free. Um, I, I do want to just take a few moments to, to kind of summarize and talk through a few things to wrap up. So, you know, w when we think about topics like gender, sexuality, and marriage, uh, every single one of us knows people who are wrestling through these things. Uh, raise your hand if you have a family member or a friend who identifies as homosexual. At least 75% of the people. How, raise your hand if you know somebody who is considering or has tried to change their gender. That's probably at least half of us. Raise your hand if you know somebody who has maybe a wrong understanding of marriage. It's probably all of us, right? So uh, this, these things are all around us. So where do people look for answers just around, not just in general, in our culture? Where do people look for answers on uh, these, the questions of these, these topics? Just throw, what's that? The internet, yeah, wherever, wherever people around them are saying they should do. TikTok. Wherever they can be accepted, wherever they can find somebody who approves of what they want to do, whether that's a organization or a group of friends or uh, 
uh, social media group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people just look inside their own emotions, right? Follow your feelings and do what you feel is best for you uh, is really where people look. And, and then, you know, as we know, what does the Bible say about our feelings? Well, the heart is deceptive, right? And wicked above all. And so that's a da- we know as Christians, that's a dangerous path to follow. You just do what you feel like doing in the moment. Uh, and so what we see here today is a reminder that what God says is that the best place to start in answering these questions, and that's really what we're doing tonight, is just a place to start. And the best place to start is where Jesus starts and where Paul the apostle starts. And where do they start? They start in the beginning, the way God made things before the fall, right? Life was perfect for Adam and Eve as men and women before sin entered the world. And, uh, and so we, we have to start there. Look at, I mean, just look at that, the, the verse that Jesus quoted, right? From the beginning, he made them male and female, well, that teaches us something right there. There's differences that God made. A man shall leave his father and his mother. Okay, so there's a, a picture of a father and a mother together that a man is leaving and hold fast to his wife. There's a male and female together in marriage, and the two shall become one flesh, right? You just see all kinds of implications just simply in those few verses, and that's where we have to start Uh as Christians. Uh, and, and as we do that, we want to make sure from the beginning of the study that we're handling God's word rightly, right? That we're reading it rightly. And so just as a reminder, we want to interpret and read God's word rightly. That means we need to interpret scripture with scripture. We need to, if we're not sure about something, if we think something may be off, well, let's look at some other places where God addresses that topic. Or, or, uh, and then, uh, remember, keeping in the context, the context and key, and then remembering that God created things the way he did with a specific design and purpose in mind. So, why do we need to know God's original design for, for marriage, gender, and sexuality? What would you say? Why do we need to know that? Isn't it outdated? This was like thousands of years ago, guys. We're a lot smarter than we were back then. What would you, how would you answer somebody who said that? Okay, for his glory and your good. Oh, yeah, so God never changes. The world looks like it changes. God never changes. What else would you say? Nothing new under the sun. Not even... Internet? Isn't that new? <laughs> right. God's design is best for us. We're his creation. That hasn't changed. God's word doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever, which means that the, the same design he had for the people in the beginning is, is the design he has for us, and it's good. And no matter how much the world changes around us, th- that really is an assuring thought, isn't it? that God, from the beginning, has had a plan 
for us, and it hasn't ever changed. It's consistent, and we can hold to it in a changing world that's changing all around us, that God's plan never changes, and it's good, and we can, can be rooted in that. All right, just a last question. What are you all, is there anything you all are hoping to learn from the rest of this study? I'm going to jot these down to make sure we try to address those. But what, is there anything in particular, in particular that you all would like to learn during this study? Yes, Lauren. Well, theoretically, if people needed or wanted to learn about marriage, uh, yeah, I think, I, th- I hope so. I think it will. Uh, like, so next week is really uh, jumps into marriage. Uh, so there is and that, the, kind of the, the homework for next time is I would encourage you all to read what we covered this time. There isn't an individual kind of experience or session for this first week since it's an intro week and you all didn't have these books ahead of time, but I would read through this week what we just covered. And then next week, read through, uh, it's page 20, it says individual experience. and talks about, you know, what is marriage? Um, and then kind of just, I think anytime you look at a, the biblical teaching and understanding of what something is, it should be beneficial to us. And when we can get into more specific type questions and, and things. Uh, this isn't necessarily just a marriage class, but we will address certain topics and things of marriage. Um, we, we have at different times done marriage studies and things like that to dive in a little bit deeper. This is more supposed to be kind of a, a general overview, but there are some, some specific things that I think will be helpful. With, um, so, uh, yeah, any other questions that y'all, or, or any things you're hoping to get from this study? I, kind of an identity Finding your identity in what God says and not in what other people. Yeah. How do we talk about that? Okay. How to, like practically how to, yeah. Good. Well, if you all at any point have any other questions, feel free to email, text, or whatever your questions, and we'll try to address these or anything that comes up along the way. Um, so for next time, like I said, I'll read week one, read the individual experience and life application for week two and then you can stop at watch and we will pick up there again it's not a whole lot of reading it's pretty pretty simple straightforward there are some questions that you can think about but it's it won't be a real time consuming thing uh i would use it maybe as a devotional a couple days or something like that um but uh all right well we're gonna wrap up and close in prayer and uh like I said, this week is really just kind of setting the foundations uh, for our study and, and where to start and, and get us thinking about it. So uh, thank you all for being here. And uh, Well, let me close this out in prayer. Father, we just thank you for uh, your word and how it does guide us uh, in life and godliness and uh, that we don't have to wander through this life and through this world uh, not knowing where to look for answers or uh, hopeless or in despair. We know that with with Jesus, uh, there is hope in all things and that your word is powerful uh, to change us, to change hearts and minds and um, to restore us to a relationship with you and life as you designed it. And so, Lord, help us to hold fast to these truths. Help us to uh, have wisdom and understanding in the truths that we're going to be studying uh, throughout this study. And uh, Lord, we pray that all this would be done for your glory.
through our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.